Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. My name is Jason here with Brian, Caleb, Tommy, and for the first time ever in this episode, David. David, we're so happy you're joining us today. Um, some of you may have heard David mentioned in certain episodes. If you're not familiar with him, then you're just going to have to go through the archives and listen to every episode to find any reference to someone named David. But he's an incredible man. Um, and I say this, and maybe we'll cut this out in post, but this is the one thing I tell people about David. If I could buy stock in one human being, it would be David. And it makes people uncomfortable, but it's the truth. So without further ado, we want to get into our topic here. So the last handful of episodes, we've been talking about habits um, and a, a lot of different aspects, you know, building good systems and build habits that build confidence into your future. Um, we've talked about areas of our lives where we started too big and had to scale back habits to where they become attainable and manageable. And then we see uh, that payoff in the long run. And we've been going through a lot of real life examples from each of us over the last few weeks here. Um, we've been talking about how habits establish belief systems and the proper ways or more efficient ways to set these up. But today we want to talk about a different aspect of what it looks like when you're walking in these habits. And as we were talking before we hit the big red button to record things, we kind of got into some interesting territory that I don't really hear people talking about much when it comes to developing disciplines and habits, because a lot of times we think we're doing that for the payoff at the end of it or for an achievement at the end of the discipline or at the end of the habit. And there's, there's a context to that, but we've been looking into something a little bit different about the process of developing the disciplines themselves. Yeah. So I saw a YouTube video this week that I normally wouldn't click on because sometimes like the motivational uh, YouTube videos can be kind of tacky and stuff, but it was, um, this neuroscientist named Huberman and he was basically going into how we should stop looking to spike our dopamine as a reward for something we're doing and stop looking for the reward and the process that we're doing because to truly be successful he was basically going into how we should enjoy the process and enjoy finding dopamine essentially in the process of that and he went into just how to do that and how it's a lot more effective than just looking for the end result or the reward and uh finding joy in that so it was a really interesting youtube video because normally like people will try and say to train yourself to do something give yourself a reward at the end give yourself a cheat day something along those lines like we're treating ourselves like like we would a dog where it's like when you succeed in this reward yourself whereas from his perspective from a, his neuroscientist perspective it was about finding joy in the process of what you're doing and in the work of it and finding dopamine in that and making that rewarding instead of the end result to expand on that i've been testing out a bunch of different studying methods and like I tried all these different ones and one of them was to to ever after like 20 minutes of working or maybe an hour of working you take a break and watch like a 20 minute video or a show or something like that and I tried it but the thing is after the 20 minutes then I watched the show or whatever 
and then I didn't want to go back to studying and it made it so much harder to get back to studying and it made it, it was way harder. And so what I found was that taking that break and giving yourself that little dopamine boost makes it so much harder to get back on track. And so what I've found is the best way to get around that is instead studying for two hours because then your brain is done and then doing a workout and then going back to studying and then your brain is refreshed again and you can go back at studying or if you give yourself the dopamine boost break it just it can end the study in the tracks because then it's like why don't I just keep doing this dopamine boost instead I think what um I've noticed too just watching David since he is the youngest guy on the podcast and sometimes the smartest guy in the room. Um, so in his sophomoric years, he has kind of taken on himself to figure out how to do some of these things. And it's been really cool to watch. And so in that study point, I like the idea and it kind of even, we had talked about this on the couple podcasts of just doing the fitness, Jason, you had done this over the last quite some time now of just finding ways to get your exercise in every day without having to go to a gym, without having to add all this complexity to actually get the task done, just to be able to do it right away. It's funny when I walked in the kitchen, when we were staying at your house and you're doing a sit-ups on the, on a chair while you're watching the kids, like you were finding ways just to make that a part of your life. And it's interesting when, with David and his study, he he'll study for hours and he'll get locked into onto a subject matter and go go at it. But the idea of not finding a comfort or a break, instead finding something else that actually challenges you, but it actually releases the right chemicals in your brain. And then coming back to the study, you actually want to study more. I thought it was just kind of a, a it kind of ties into what you're talking about with that motivation, Caleb. But the question comes for David, what makes you even want to do any of that? Most kids your age don't even want to study. Like, let me just play games. Let me just find something else to do it for you. But you, David finds ways to take boredom and seek opportunity in it. Now, it could be making a taser for his arm when he's playing a game. It could be building something. It could be learning the guitar. But he, for some reason, has adopted the idea of boredom, which is normally when people go look for that dopamine spike. You know what I'm talking about? It's like boredom usually triggers, I'm going to go do this so I can feel better. So then I don't have to feel bored. And then that's where that cycle of bad habits form. But David doesn't take boredom as I need a break. He takes boredom as what can I do within that opportunity? And I'm curious to what stirred that whole idea in you. I started out uh watching YouTube and doing that thing and just spending time on that and wasting time pretty much until I realized that that gets really boring and just getting the dopamine doesn't it adds a factor of just not achieving anything and you know it it'll slowly demotivate you and destroy <laughs> mentally and so I started doing little things like programming or whatnot. And then eventually I realized that uh, doing <laughs> just procrastinating, I guess, and just fulfilling boredom with dopamine.
can end is less enjoyable than doing the hard thing. It, it goes to show that a generation can actually grab a hold of new ideas without being forced to do it or trying to be conditioned to do it. There is something in us that wants to achieve and wants to move forward. And I do want to clarify to everybody listening that when we're talking about dopamine, we're not trying to find a way to get your, your body just to release drugs so you can feel good. We're talking about the reality of how your brain works, that when you do something that's rewarding or you create a new habit, your brain actually uses the dopamine to motivate it forward, which creates the synapses, which creates the neuron and the mylar sheaths and the mylar paths within the brain. And it's how your brain actually wires itself. So when we're talking about this and talking about dopamine, so much of the, the world system has used dopamine to get you hooked on things, to give you like little likes, like the thumbs up button on Facebook was probably the biggest dopamine brilliance of how to manipulate people to keep them active in something that's really non-important. But I really like where you're going with this, Caleb, is how do we take, and what, what David just brought up, being very deliberate of how do we how do we revisit and look at the things that are challenging as the place where we re doing the challenge is the dopamine doing the challenge is what finds ourselves rewarding the reward is great but we're already moving on to the next challenge that we're not just like oh i hit my reward and like i hit comfort and this is what they were talking about on the podcast with jordan peterson and the huberman when they're talking about the difference between psychology and neuroscience is they had brought up on that podcast the idea that in postpartum, there's this buildup of anticipation through the whole pregnancy. And a lot of times the birth, it's like, it's the reward, right? But it actually causes a postpartum depression at times, like the expectations over. And it's almost like, now what? And so sometimes we make the reward such the focus that we can leave ourselves hanging of a of a, a letdown versus making just the journey of getting there really where the power of our life is. It's interesting because even David, what you're talking about, you can tell me if if I'm wrong on this, but now I'm remembering in the video, the reason they were able to come to this conclusion of the dopamine being an important part of the process rather than the reward is because basically they took these school kids and had them all draw pictures and at first, both groups just drew pictures and nothing happened after. But then one group, they started rewarding after they would draw. And that group that they started rewarding after they would draw after a certain amount of time actually became uninterested in the drawing over time and was just looking for the reward at the end of the drawing. But the group that they didn't reward continually for drawing still enjoyed the drawing like infinitely. So it's interesting. It kind of sounds like what you're talking about, David, almost like you discover that experiment on your own in your own process because I think sometimes what we do is like we look to reward ourselves in a process when really if we took the time just to enjoy the process it would be much more effective because we would be more present in it not looking for something at the end and then you lose all the things you can learn all the opportunities you're having in that process so I think that was really interesting because it's almost like you had done the experiment on yourself. And I think that's something like we can all learn because 
if we just reward ourselves for doing something, do we really even want to do it? And is that even enough to motivate us just to reward at the end of something? Whereas finding the enjoyment in doing it, um, like there's this quote, I think it's like kind of a cliche motivational quote, but it's like the man who enjoys walking will walk much further than the man who enjoys the destination. And so it's, it's just like that because if we're only looking for a destination, then the whole time of walking is going to be miserable. And if it's miserable enough, maybe we won't even make it to the destination. So I think it kind of goes in hand with that of like that experiment with dopamine and finding that in the process. I definitely think that's totally true. And there's a quote from the Latin philosopher Seneca. If a man does not know what port he is sailing, no wind is favorable. So there comes a point where how do we take, we're trying to get to a destination, but make the journey the place where we have the the most lively experience. But we don't make the destination so weighty that we just endure but yet you have to endure. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, at one point, it's like, okay, just make the journey. It's life is just about the journey. Well, that's great. But if you're just going to wander around the mountain for 40 years, what was the point of the journey? Like, there still needs a point to the journey, but how we're wired, we can utilize this effectively. How do you guys look at that? Like, how do you separate the two things? Separate which two things? Can you clarify that? How do you separate, okay, I just enjoy the journey. Like, let, let's just say, for instance, I just love playing the guitar and I master playing the guitar and I play the guitar and I'm always playing the guitar and I just love playing the guitar, but I never sing a song. I never let anybody else enjoy it. I never utilize it for anything beyond just, I just like to play the guitar. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. You're building a skill, you're building a habit, but at what point do we make everything in life just about enjoying it and we find a way to enjoy it but we're not actually doing anything that has a bigger impact. So like Jesus said, for the joy that was set before me, not the pleasurable happiness, but the joy that was set before me, I endured the cross, despising the shame. So in other words, on the cross and despising the shame, he didn't have this, man, this is awesome. I could just do this cross thing for years. That was a cost. But at the same token, the expectation was already done. You, you get what I'm getting at? So how do we translate us still doing hard things that we don't want to do and having a goal in front of us, but at the same time, learning to tap into our body system and rewire it that the journey itself is also beneficial or we see the benefit of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking if you guys can give your perspective on what you're, what you would think about those two separate ideas. So one thing that helped shift that for me was I I realized we actually, we have a, a fundamental misunderstanding of how we are wired. And so I got this, this dog training book years ago because I was just curious about something. I had a hunch and I saw, I went to this like thrift store and found a few dog training books. And in all these dog training books, they talk about reward and punishment. And as I was reading some of these chapters, I'm like, this is how we teach people to motivate themselves and motivate others. You did a good job. You get a treat. 
you did a bad job, you get a punishment. And if we look at ourselves the same as animals, then we should expect ourselves to operate on that punish reward system. But more and more and more, even in a non-spiritual sense, we're realizing that people don't really operate that way. They can, and they do to an extent, but that's not how we're designed to operate. We are actually designed to operate where we find fulfillment and actual joy in the journey of something we are called to and we feel connected to. And all, all the examples you guys have been talking about and more that people are discussing these days in psychology and just the way our, our brains physically rewire themselves, that's how we're designed to operate. And so instead of someday when I do this, then I'll feel better about it, it shifts from I'm designed and wired to enjoy the pursuit of this thing even before the payoff at the end. And so when that happens, and it doesn't really matter as much what kind of obstacles are in the way, because the obstacles are just part of the journey. If it's about overcoming the obstacles, and that's the main focus, then at some point, I'm going to run into an obstacle that is just, it's got more willpower than me. Because the, the, the hype that I can conjure up in myself isn't going to get me through that obstacle. But if that obstacle is just something in the path on my journey then whether it takes a day or a week or a month or a year to get past it, I'm going to get past it because I'm in the journey and I'm enjoying that whole thing. But that's really what shifted it for me was, and it kind of goes, I don't want to start talking about identity, but that's really what it is. If it's beaten to your mind that you're, you're a machine or you're an animal and you're going to operate on rewards and punishments, then that's what you're going to do. And you're going to become this person that's just addicted to YouTube clips, thinking that's going to be an enjoyable 30 minute lunch for you. And then after your 30 minute lunch of watching YouTube, you're still as brain fogged and unmotivated as you were beforehand. So for me, it was just an understanding of I'm actually not wired that way. So it didn't become a challenge of like, this stuff isn't here's some tips and tricks for motivating you and tricking your brain into liking something. I think it's actually a revealing of here's how you are designed to operate in the first place. I have a few things to add or maybe disagree with that point you're just making, Jason. And I'm just going to kind of let it spew out and see what happens. As you guys are talking, I, I think about the... As I was growing up, I I was part of the YouTube, watching YouTube and that being kind of my thing to do after school enjoyable thing and i'm coming to realize that the best youtubers were the ones that had dopamine spikes throughout the whole video to keep me watching and what i found is that those dopamine spikes actually make you more tired as you go on because it's like a constant spike constant spike and i think what we're kind of talking about here is that we almost need a journey of dopamine to extend that instead of quick hits. And everything in life right now is pretty much designed to be quick hitting. At least everything that's easy to access and that culture deems important or needs to be a part of your life social media, YouTube, Netflix, TV shows, everything is all about that dopamine hit. 
so that kind of gives context to what I'm about to say next is then now with my job doing sales, there is a process you kind of have to go through of like, you need to do the work and you get your commission. It's like a little dopamine hit, but that's really tiring. That's extremely tiring and it sucks. However, I've found joy in the process, in the journey, every step of the way. And it's not because I know I'm going to get a commission check or I know I'm going to get X, Y, Z. For me, it's more of a, I know my body's not in control of my life. My spirit and my soul are in control. And it's almost a pleasure for me to like, I feel this resistance in my body. And it's almost like a joy to just fight it and be like, yep, you know what? Today I don't feel like doing it, but I'm going to do it anyways because my body's not in control of me. My body's not the driver. My spirit's the driver. And I don't know if that disagrees with what you're talking about, Jason, or if it adds some context to it. I wouldn't disagree with that. I would I would agree with that. And I would say that's that was that's my point is it's not like the commission check and the the hit you get from that the dopamine hit or just the enjoyment how whatever terms people are comfortable with hearing right now whatever that is i'm not saying that's even a bad thing and a, a lot of times that can actually motivate people to go beyond what they would do without that like if you didn't have as sizable of a commission check that might affect your motivation in certain things what i'm saying is when it comes to our our wiring on how we're supposed to go day to day in the long term if it's built off of those little i just got a hit because someone liked my post or this youtube video gave me a hit it if that's how it's built that's that's like a worldly system of how you build attention and influence in people and motivate people i think in the kingdom it's designed that your journey of life is that fulfillment and enjoyment. And we can, I don't know if I'd want to call it the, like the slow trickle of dopamine all the time. I don't know if that's the proper terminology or not, to be honest, but that's kind of my point because I think you could get someone in your position that didn't have your perspective and your identity and they could perform maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse at different times, but they're not going to have your fulfillment and joy and peace. And they're not going to have your, your outlook on the future of it. My one pushback though is like how do we then measure success or measure fulfillment in terms like without those dopamine hits or like how do we make it that we still have a trackable metric that doesn't spike your dopamine out of proportion to then almost set you back a whole nother level sometimes like those commit like a commission check will hit and i'm like man i don't want to go to work tomorrow there's no reason to right like i just i've already done all this work i know this is coming in we're fine do we do i really have to do anything today it gets really hard to measure in that sense and i don't know if you guys have some sort of way that you guys would track your fulfillment and progress without these dopamine spikes oh the Bible did use this method of 
dopamine spikes and the dog experiment where you punishments and reward and it's called the law and the law as you can see didn't work out very well and so that was the way of rewards and punishment as said in galatians how it talks about it kind of being like an apprenticeship to get you there but once you need a change that you know why you're not doing it and the new system of where you kind of doing good things is a habit as well so like developing those good things not because if you do it you're going to get in trouble or if you do it you're going to get blessed but as you do it you're just pursuing god i want to and maybe maybe you would clarify this david or maybe you would slap me through the computer i think the law did exactly what it was supposed to but our some people's perspective of what it was supposed to do is incorrect because the law wasn't meant to be here's how you guys operate for the rest of eternity it was meant to point out and have that system of here's the law you break it you get a punishment you keep it you get a reward it was supposed to do that it just wasn't meant to be how we live as adult sons in the kingdom but like you were saying it brought us to that and so it was this system that we were under until the time christ comes and now we become full-grown heirs which I think is is kind of a really good picture of it. We are brought up under that system, like as a as a human race, I guess, brought up under that until the time of maturity. At that point, we're supposed to be full-grown adult sons in the kingdom that I don't want to say don't need that system of reward and punishment, but that's not the driving force. I might not be even explaining that the right way in my head right now. I would go one step further. Is the law proved? Our broken human nature cannot be remedied by this. It can hold it together long enough for enough another answer, but it cannot. It showed it, it the weakness of humanity. It was it exposed how bad humanity was, was the law. Until something else could come along. But it was a schoolmaster to show something of our brokenness that we come to the place we need something else besides rewards and we don't need rewards and punishments to keep us going we need something else to change on the inside of us because this doesn't work and paul says in romans that uh trying to keep the law only made him sin more and only made him do worse even though he the more he tried the more he did worse and sin against sin and break the law coming back to what you were bringing up tommy I think we're dealing with something else. And I think, Jason, you brought this up earlier that we kind of didn't go back to, is really this stems back to our identity. If your identity is a broken individual, which is where we start out in life, the habits, the things you're looking for, you will tend to look for something to escape, tend to do, look to something to establish you higher, you, everything you do will tend to deal with the insecurity and inferiority of our old nature, which is what happened at the fall. So everything will kind of stem from that. So every habit, everything you do, you could even do good things, but your motives will still have an element that's there's a flaw within that, that element. But in a new identity where your old man is dead, that you're no longer subject to that nature. First uh, Peter chapter four it talks about uh, since Christ suffered in the flesh, 
referring to that old nature, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So it's kind of giving you this picture. The human passion is, I need a reward. The human passion is, I need comfort. The human passion is, I need to escape. The human passion is, what's going to make me feel better? Like, that's the human passion, because it's trying to come up from a lowered state. Or to assume more power, or to assume more something for themselves so they can be elevated. So everything is to elevate. With Christianity, our spirit is fully elevated to the highest place it could be with God. And now we're working from the other way to bring it up. So there is a place you put to death your passions on this earth. There is a place that you obey just because it's right. There is a place that you deal with the rejection and the what the persecution of people there is a place that you have to deal with it but you're dealing with those habits from a different place so before we could even start as believers to really get a hold of this you have to first come back to the identity this is what you are now so now it becomes pleasurable for an athlete to stay fit it becomes pleasurable pleasurable for a marathon runner to learn how to breathe different, to improve the breathing habits, to enjoy the run. They're expecting to win, but they also enjoy the run. I mean, there's no long-term ultra marathoner that says, I hate running, but I just like winning the race. Right? Or pick another sport. They'll pick a sport they like. It's hard how they train. The aspects of it are deeply, but they do like that thing. And then there is a reward in it. And I think we have to come to the place. This is what we are. And I, I think that identity piece has to be really established because then it goes on in first uh, Peter for the time that is past of what we used to do when the gen uh, what the Gentiles used to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead. That they that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. And so I do think that even when we're talking about the neuroscience or we're de dealing with, there's some really great things we should we can learn from it. And there's some really great things we can learn from. I mean, I really enjoy Jordan Peterson and psychology, but we do have to bring it back to they're still trying to take a broken man and make him better. So there is an element that's slightly flawed in it, but the principles still can operate of how we're wired. So if we're wired from, I am this, then we can create habits to reinforce what we are. And I think that's maybe where we start looking at, if I am this, I am the son of God, if I'm an heir then you operate in habits that surround that idea, but you're still going to have to go now build those habits. You're still going to have to go become braver, which is really the, the bigger thing with utilizing our, utilizing the dopamine more effectively is really what we're doing is we're learning to lean in and become braver 
to what is the opposition against us. And that is really where the journey can become more joyful and there's more endurance and there's more longevity to it, but you're not doing it to get something. You're doing it because you are something. And I think if we could switch that, it can help be a better motivator to keep moving forward in the journey. So then my question would be, as I'm thinking through this, should we, should we not be looking for enjoyment and the hit of the reward for things? Because I don't, I don't think, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people kind of maybe swing the pendulum so far the other way, where it's, if there's ever a reward, if you get that commission check, if you hit that weight goal or whatever it is, you shouldn't feel any enjoyment from that because then you're just focused on the materialistic things. You're just focused on the reward and you're not really focused on your identity. So I don't think we completely scrub that away from our mentality or maybe you guys think we're supposed to. I mean, it goes back to what that one quote, how if a man does not know the port he's sailing, no wind is favorable. Like if you don't have a destination, which with working out, I mean, it's looking good or with get working out with sports is for getting faster or stronger. If you don't have that goal, then there's no desire to do it, but you got to be able to work with both when you need the desire and, but you have to have the desire in the beginning. It's that balance that we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast because jesus said when you pray whatsoever things you desire when you pray believe that you receive them so to your point jason i think you're right there does need to be a goal there does need to be a reward there needs to be a celebration i mean celebration and remembrance and joyful times together and joyful explosions of this was amazing but i think we set so much of our hype getting there that we're willing to, if we could abandon the journey that got us there, we would. But the question is, after you get there, would you be willing to take the next journey that could be just as hard or harder to get to the next phase? Or if it's like, oh, I'm finally here, I don't want to do this again. That's where we've created too much around the reward. Where Tommy's point is, it should be, cool, we got that deal. Let's get, let's get back in. Let's hit it. Let's Let's work on the next client. Let's work on the next client because the joy is building clientele and growing the influence of whatever he's selling. Like, cause he believes in what he's selling. So that becomes a joy. It becomes awesome. Little, little triggers of reward for hitting the deal, but that's far from the end. But if it's just about, I'm in the most stressful situation and I finally get out, I'm out. You miss the whole part of the journey. Caleb, I want to know what you were thinking when you had this very confused or befuddled expression on your face like two minutes ago. It was just interesting to me because I agree with the aspect of don't focus so much on the reward because we get too focused on that and we forget the process we're in. And then there's also the aspect of don't focus so much on the journey that you lose where you're walking to because you're looking so much down at your feet. Um, and so 
I was just reading the verse, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Like if we look at that analogy for what we're talking about, like he's focused on the prize, but the training and discipline is so important because after you get the prize, you still have to train and have the discipline so you don't just fall off, off after. Like I think it goes along with what you're saying, Tommy, because if we just get to this prize in life and that's it and we don't keep on training and disciplining ourselves, then what's the point of even winning that prize? Because there's always another step to be taken. I got, I got this book on the, the, the discipline of a Navy SEAL and it was walking through and everyone that's familiar with Navy SEALs knows about hell week. So you go through this one week of absolute hell, four hours of sleep, just complete exhaustion, not enough food, cold, every element that's against you to do this hell week. And only a percentage of the guys come out of hell week. All right. And so we, we talk about the preparation for hell week and getting through it. And it's really cool. And some people wonder, why would you even want to do that? And here's what I found was fascinating when I was reading the whole training. You go through, it can be off slightly, but there's a training you have to go to just to qualify to get into the SEALs, to, to get into BUDS, which is Hell Week. So there's a training you have to go through to get there. Then if you qualify for that, you get to go through Hell Week. But Hell Week doesn't end. It's not like you're a SEAL after Hell Week. It's like another 16 months of training. And then you end up coming back and doing a live, with live ammo, live equipment, of another hell week, but with everything live. But no one talks about that. And the reason they don't talk about it is once you make it through the first hell week, your mental disciplines and your way of living, you, people don't drop out after that point. The hell week gets rid of the dropout, but you're still going through hell in a sense for another 16 weeks. So their goal was to get in, but their goal wasn't going, if I get in, then it will be easy. It was almost like if they get in, they get to completely live this way and grow and become stronger in it. So their reward was to be a part of that community, not to just get past Hell Week, because it didn't stop. Would you so would you point. say that the reward was not now I've got this achievement, this plaque, this certificate, whatever it is, and I've done it? It's my reward is I now have access into this way of living, into this identity to be more cliche. Yes, yes. But you still don't even get the trident until you finish all the training. So you don't, you're not a seal, you're welcomed into the seal world, but you're not a seal until you get that trident. And that isn't for another months after that point. If I'm sitting here listening to this podcast right now, I'm thinking maybe uh, I would not want to even go to Hell Week. So where's the place that we even start to get the motivation? Maybe I get, 
I think we've already kind of gotten into it with identity and stuff, but to say, I want to go through hell week so that I can live like that. Does that make sense? Because it's like most people, like I would say 99.9% of the population is never even going to consider that they should go through hell week for living like that. If that makes sense. My simple little thoughts are, in some place in your life to get from where you are and who you're really designed to be in God, you will have to go face yourself to get to the other side of it. It doesn't matter what it is to you. Some person hell could be of learning how to actually talk in front of another person. It could be public speaking. It could be offering a, something that they've created could be hell. Like there's, a, there's, something in their insecurity or in everyone has something that has to be pressed through what it looks like, how it is to one person. It's no big deal to another person. It's a life monumental issue. I can relate to Tommy on sales. I was terrified to talk to customers and sell them something on the phone. When I first started terrified, I would stare at that phone. I'd find everything to do possible. I would clean. I would do everything. So I did not have to pick up the phone and talk to a customer. And the whole job was to pick up the phone and talk to a customer. And, and it was, it was tough. But once I got over that, I realized my objective wasn't to learn how to finally talk to a customer. That was part of a habit I had to do. But the objective was now that I can talk to customers, think about what opens up in my life that I can go do that really, but I couldn't see that. So I kind of had to have little benchmarks, but once I hit there, it's like, wow, think of what I can go do if I'm just not afraid to go talk to people. It opened up a world. And I think with God, there is points that we have to kind of get people from one point to another. But once you can get beyond that area that you say you can't do, or that's just not you, or I don't think that way, or my emotions have never been disciplined enough to do it. Part of the thing of doing habits and part of the journey isn't so much like on the ship, you're going somewhere and you want the favorable winds, but on the ship, there's monotony you have to do. You got to scrub the deck. You got to keep keep uh, the ropes working. You have to, I'm talking about like a sail ship of where wind was involved. You had to make sure the ropes were okay. You had to make sure the sails are working. You had to do repairs. You had to paint. You had to deal with boredom of the long journey while you're waiting for the wind. You knew where you're going, but there's all these daily habits that have to become that make a good sailor. So your habits were corresponding to what you are in that journey. And yes, you're trying to get to the other side. If you never get there, at some point, you're going to lose heart. Mutiny is going to take place, all this stuff. But there is habits that are developed in that journey that we should enjoy that make the journey amazing. But there, but it's going to be pressing against what you're feeling in the moment to what you need to do. And I think that is is part of that process if you're not happy and filled with joy and find your identity in the everyday things you're never going to be happy when you hit those peak moments because there's always another peak the race is eternity there's never an end so if you really want to be happy here you have to find joy 
in those little things along the way. And you can spike that joy when you hit that little mountaintop. But just remember, you're going to come back down and have to be joyed, joy-filled here, too. On that note, I found like this way of learning things quicker. And one of the biggest things for learning things quicker is getting a feedback loop as quick as possible. It's like if you're learning a song or an instrument, getting like simple little riffs or songs that you can do will get you to learn faster than learning the big long song that's going to take you a month. And like getting these feedback loops and uh, as you're on your journey to the goal, the feedback loops are important to continue to, to keep going. What if instead of looking at all this as going, then we have a spike of dopamine because of reward or something, then we go down after the spike. What if instead of that, we saw it as a forward journey and the spikes just launch us farther forward into what we're already walking towards instead of up and down all the time? Because then you're not, you don't expect it. Well, I hit this mountaintop experience. I didn't know I'm going to come down after this and life's going to be kind of dreary for a bit. It's just launching you forward into your, your journey that you're already on. If we do, if we take life for what it is and, and allow ourselves to be challenged and enjoy the being challenged, enjoy facing things a little harder than where we're at right now. I'm not talking about big things. I mean, things a little harder. There's something rewarding in that 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 little pebble, we become bigger than that pebble. And so if we look at it, maybe even from the perspective of I'm becoming the same size as my mountain versus I'm just taking a new peak. What if the habits in these things are growing me to be larger than my mountain? It may add in because like what David's saying about the riff or learning how to take the little riffs, what happens is pretty soon you see somebody like Santana just grab the guitar and it's like, holy cow, how do you even move your fingers like that? Like, and you're just flying through this whole thing and this beautiful, like he's not even pondering. He became bigger than the song. And if we looked at, that's kind of tying into what Jordan Peterson talks about with being braver. Like, don't get rid of the problem. Just learn to be braver and to face it differently. And I do find it, the uh, Huberman brought up that in that context, Remove dopamine from getting the rush. Remove dopamine's rush. Just look at it as the building block that releases adrenaline. It's the building block that releases the, the mylar, the, the neuroplasticity that builds the wiring. Every time you lean forward into something, that's where that's strengthened. So you can actually build your brain in a way that the just the leaning into the problem more and pushing it and pushing it is actually doing the rewiring without the spikes. So that's consistent with what Jesus talks about and what Paul talks about in running the race. Consider the soldier, consider the athlete, consider the hardworking farmer. All three of them are pushing towards a goal of something and all three of them have to endure hardness, emotions, everything, and remain stable in the middle of the, all that. And there's something rewarding. If you've ever been around someone who's just done it life like that, they're calm, they're not moved by emotion, they're stable, they have a different way of thinking, they can walk through that problem. They, they're bigger than those events. That's really, we're taking our identity and letting it grow, because we already have it, to become bigger than the thing we're facing. Doing habits like that, like 
I started with just kind of reading my Bible more often, right? Maybe for a good amount of time each day. And once I got that habit down, I feel like it's what I found with me is that once you develop a really hard habit, then other habits are really easy to start. Like I developed reading my Bible, which like a lot more. And then that habit, now that I've developed that habit, which is, which was a hard habit to develop, I guess. Once I started doing other things like working out, that habit just came instantly. Like, and then learning guitar, doing it two hours, one hour, two hours a day came instantly. Like just once you develop a habit that's really hard, then doing these easier habits become a lot easier and it kind of builds you up as this mountain as we're kind of talking about. And that's why I feel like someone like David Goggins or someone like that says, you should be setting your habits to these things that you don't think you can reach and like these really hard claims. And I think that's a claim he can make, but most people can't make that claim because they haven't developed their strength of habits to the point that they can develop their habits to that strength. Because I think what you find after you go through that process is you look around and, oh, I have all these little systems set up now that are part of the function of my life. Instead of everything being a mess, everything needs work, everything's a problem, I'm not good at anything. Now, all of a sudden, because you did that, you have all of these systems that are just flowing. If you can suffer in those in those little things and find joy in those little things, then there will be less suffering later on. Because if if you don't develop those habits, like what you're saying, David, and it goes the opposite way, then you'll have so much more suffering that you'll have to go through later because you'll have to develop bigger habits because everything else will... It's like the exact opposite is what happens when you don't develop those smaller habits to move towards bigger habits. Because... It's like, if your small habits aren't good, then your big habits won't be good either. So I think that's really important because if we can't even handle the suffering and the little things like, like reading your Bible every day or consistently, and then developing that onto other things doing consistently, then it'll be a lot worse doing other things because you won't even have a core to stand on of what your habits are. And this is why... This is why to go back to one thing that I opened with, but this is why I look at someone like David and I would buy stock in him instead of this, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old kid. That's like, yeah, I want to go to school and be like a tech engineer or something like, okay, well, all you do now is watch YouTube and play Minecraft all day. But I look at someone like David who's built all these little habits and systems Sometimes just out of boredom, he's like, I'm going to see if I can make like a taser for my arm for this or something. But he's done all these things. So now he has these systems built and that's what will actually propel him. And imagine if he hasn't done any of that, when he turns 18 and goes to college, imagine what kind of personality he's going to have having done nothing in his life, but sitting around playing video games. If he had done that, who's going to want to be around that person? As you were talking, Brian, earlier, I just had the thought of you talked about our identity as a son of God. 
I think we should talk about what habits and what tangible strategies helped along the way for you to actually view yourself as that going forward, like with these habits and stuff, because I kind of have a feeling of how it happened in my life, but I would like to hear from you guys all how you actually live that out. When I discovered who I was, that not because of me, but because of Jesus, I became righteous. I had to start thinking, what would a righteous man do in this situation? What would a just man do in this situation? What would a secure man do that is secure in his identity that when people are against it, how would they behave in this situation? What, how would I treat opposition that goes against what I am? Do I cower to it? Do I just explode at it? What is my role within, what is the wisdom from my identity to deal with this? So for instance, if all of a sudden you, things start feeling like everything's going wrong, do I just sit and go, oh God, where are you? Or do I say, wait a second, I am the righteousness of God. How do I need to start thinking of one, how to deal with the problem, two, what's just a normal problem, Three, what is something that is almost evil coming at? And who am I to these things? And what little habits can I form? And I started even in just my first habit was just re when these I felt these things that used to intimidate and crush me down, I would speak at them. That's not what I am. I don't need to bow to you. And it took a while to undo that thinking. And I would just sit and meditate what I am to that problem and who God is in me to that problem. And it helped bring clarity so I can have wisdom to deal with it. Didn't necessarily make the problem go away, but it helped me lift to see it differently. And that became a habit that helped deal with prayer life and different areas. If you're a son, if you're of royal heir, I know this in Thailand, if you're a royal heir, when you pray and ask the king for something, the royal family is going to ask the king differently than the citizen or the guest of the country. The citizen doesn't have open access just to go talk to the king. They have to make a petition. They have to get invited in. They have to uh, hope that they'll respond. The royal family has access. The royal family, it's their kingdom. So now when they, they function, they do things to expand their kingdom. The citizens function to have their place within that kingdom. And the foreigners are just visiting that kingdom. So knowing your place determines how you're to think about things. But the, but the royal family doesn't worry about what are we going to eat today, dad? How am I going to pay that bill tomorrow, dad? How am I going to go do that? No, they're thinking, God, how, father, how do I expand? Where do you want me to step into? What's areas of territories you want me to take? How do you want me to go about that? What do I need to train in to be able to be more functional in those areas? That's how royalty would, would look at things, not how can I make it? And I'm not saying those aren't real things. I'm just saying we need to change. You, you have to be deliberate of how am I going to think about this situation? And that was something I, th that was the early, that was the beginning point of habit. I can't think of myself lower than what the problem is. I need to think of myself in the concept of how God thinks of me to that problem. And that was the beginning point. So that's kind of a 
a little summary of when I say you got to go from your identity. So all your habits is going from there. You're not a, a salesman, Tommy, hoping to get a sale. You were brought in by a boss that saw something in you that you're learning how to do your trade and there's ups and downs in it because he believes you can help grow that company. So your mission is to grow that company, not for you just to get a better check. That's why you're there. That gives a longevity to, that's thinking royal versus citizen or slave. Because you're already taken care of because God already promised to take care of you. So your job is to influence the direction of that company, which is why you're there. And if you don't want that company to be influenced, don't work there. Because you won't be thinking from royalty, you'll be thinking about what do I get out of it? I hope that kind of clarifies when I say set goals around what you are. Yeah, one final thought on pretty much everything we've been saying here. Um, definitely thinking of the verse from Romans 5, where basically Paul is talking about that we can rejoice um, when we run into problems and suffering, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and, endur and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And I think that's kind of what we're we've been talking about this whole time with developing our joy and suffering and developing how we uh, structure our dopamine and our, like how we walk in our goals and reward system. So I think that's a great verse to ponder as we're going throughout the week, thinking about how we're developing habits, like what David was saying and building towards goals and how it all ties into our identity and um, how we can walk that out in life appreciate you guys listening in if anything stood out to you or you want something clarified that we were talking about in this episode something that didn't make sense something that you vehemently disagree with let us know in the comments or reach out to us on social media because we want to keep having these conversations offline as well so again we appreciate you guys tuning in until next time keep the faith and stay in the fight